everybody. Welcome to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann, and in this episode, Doc Searles and I have a fun and very casual conversation with Petros Kotupis about open source technology in space, digital detox, and more. Also, please remember to visit us at reality2cast.com, that's the number two in the URL, and subscribe to our newsletter. And now, without further ado, let's begin. So... I see this article on CNN about NASA paying startups for moon rocks. And I don't know what that means. Oh, well, we should totally talk about that. That sounds oh, wow. awesome. You guys. That sounds you, way better than. Hold on. That's hold a bounty on. on fake moon rocks right there. Buy moon rocks okay. from companies that can get robotic NASA. rovers to the lunar surface and scoop up samples. So here. So China's doing that right now, aren't they? I have no idea. Yeah, no, China's... Uh... China claims that they've done a lot of things, just like Russia claimed that they invented. Yeah. We're the first to put out the COVID vaccine. Oops, hold on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hate the autoplay of videos. It depends, China, I guess. China releases an image of its flag on the moon as spacecraft carrying lunar rocks kick lifts. Oh, yikes. What are yours do? What are I they doing? It no, just the auto played a video and it was like exploding. Oh in yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. There's actually something I know. I'm sure it's true for Linux and for other things that you can make it. Oh, I think yeah, you make every, the there's something you could do on, there's a setting. I think all the browsers have a setting. Yes, up. you're right. Um, but mine is set to autoplay. I'm sure, I'm sure Chrome makes it easy to disable. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Yeah. They're encouraging startups, I guess, to build, you know, right. rovers that get up to the moon and bring rocks and dust and stuff back and they'll pay them for it. Hmm. Which That's I think cool. I think can transition off to other startups, although I don't have those articles in front of me, that um, while they're not officially in space yet, are building technology to be able to mine asteroids you know, for rare materials like irons and other types of minerals. Um, it's a big business. It's just right now they don't have the means to get up there yet. So as long as we're in space, did, have you seen the video of the collapse of the Car- the Arecibo? Oh, um, yeah, that's sad. It's really sad. But have you seen the video? I mean, the video I is, haven't seen the video. I only oh saw the photos. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's a drone video. And I don't know what a drone was doing looking at that, but you can see the whole thing go down. You can see it actually, the drone actually like focuses along the wires and then goes, looks at the um, uh, the towers, where the towers are these concrete things and they're collapsing, they're falling down. It's pretty dramatic, pretty dramatic. Let's so is this New York Times has for technology. And I have somewhere photos of Richard Stallman and Eric Raymond at the same time looking at the Arecibo telescope there. We were all, a bunch of us were there for a That's Linux Turtle cool. Geek cruise. Yeah, it was very oh, cool. Oh, right. That's you know, one time <clears throat> I was sitting, uh, well, we are, an, an old company that I used to work for uh, would invite Bruce Perrins uh, to consult um, mm. the company on our open source licensing of the open source products we were using in our, or open source packages we were using in our products. So he, we would pay him, he'd come, give a presentation, work with our legal mm-hmm. team, blah, blah, blah. And I remember when he presented to our group, and apparently this was like the second or third time he had come on site. 
he would, you know, he shared a story about how he was um, early on in his development career and early on in, in, you know, the whole Linux scene, especially when Debian was, was um, starting to gain momentum, NASA decided to utilize uh, Linux in its early technologies. And um, long story short, he, you know, made a comment about how he had to write a uh, terminal application to be able to run on this, you know, distribution that NASA was, uh, was working on. And he was so excited that his software was able to make it into space, which I think would, it, it, at the time, and even now, I guess at the time, it's just a remarkable thing to accomplish to be able to say that, hey, my yeah. code is up in space. Yeah, that is really cool. He's a big space guy. I mean, he's in space is his thing. We he's actually, so, you know, being in, in Houston be fun to have on the um, show, and close to NASA, um, you know, we used to, so we used to, I used to organize a local Drupal meetup um, back when, you know, tech meetups were a thing. Are they still a thing? Right. I don't know. Um, so when, and one of the guys who was a regular, super nice guy, super smart. Um, he, one of, he was working, he was, did some Drupal work. Um, actually, I think it was for a NASA contractor. But one of the other things that he had worked on in the recent past at that point was programming a robotic arm for the space shuttle, <laughs> which, you know, I think it was, yeah, it must have been the space shuttle at that point. Um, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I thought, you know, we, I mean, we, we, we you know, interact with NASA people on a pretty regular basis here in Houston, but you, you, you eventually run into several of them, but um, yeah, it's really cool. I've never, I've never had anything. Wait, you know what? I don't know. Actually, oh. is it, that's a good question. I mean, if you work on open source so software, how, how do you know if something you've worked on touches something that is eventually launched into space? Uh, I, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, unless, unless, and I guess they don't have to, um, but a, I mean, if you know, or if you're trying to get a software application or, or a software distributed and it's a licensed under a particular license, I mean, you are, depending on the license, you are entitled to seeing that source, but how do you know that that source is yours? Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm just looking at where Bruce has been doing. I was trying to find the space stuff, but he's got a post open source license that he's working on following something oh here we go amsat urgent issue in the future of north american amateur satellites so yeah he's a big he's a big uh, ham k6bp is his very initials um so he's a he's a and so is bedale garby do you know bedale garby he was what did he do he was with he worked for hewlett packard but he's involved in space stuff too um my my linux journal knowledge is getting stale <laughs> Oh, um, it's been a while. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I did get an email from uh, somebody named Bobby Babayan uh, back in November. And he has, he's, he's the maintainer of a project called the SEMC or SEMCOS. Here, let me see what hmm. that stands for. It stands oh, for. Oh, what are you talking about though? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a mission control software for space exploration. So it's like space exploration mission control. So it's a distribution designed 
very specifically for space exploration. Mm. And he emailed me because it was one of my Linux journal articles uh, about mm. building your own distribution from scratch that inspired the project. So while it may not be in space today, I think it's kind of awesome that he was able to get inspired by one of my articles and is building a space exploration uh, focused Linux distribution. See, there you go. That That is your connection to space travel right there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay, so. I, uh, so ahead. not to derail the space conversation <laughs> because that's fun. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, I've been thinking about something since, so, so neither Petros nor I were participating in the uh, the last episode that was released, um, but I did listen to it and well edit it. Um, mm -hmm. You couldn't and help I've been to thinking it, about yeah, I know I couldn't. <laughs> it was unavoidable. <laughs> I edited it, but I really didn't listen to it. I, I wasn't paying happened. attention the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been thinking about some things that y'all were talking about, and I just and 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 I was reading an article in the New York Times about d digital detox uh, that came mm. out, I think, over the holidays. And, and I, it's kind of peripheral, I suppose, to the topics that we talk about, because normally we, as you know, being who we are, we're, we're very plugged in at all times. And it, you know, it, it makes me think, especially, you know, when you think about ideas, like, basically, I came away from la the last episode, feeling like, well, you know, somewhere along the way, we, we lost our way, you know, internet wise, the internet was supposed to be something that it no longer is, or maybe who knows what it was supposed to be, but it's definitely not, I think, what anybody thought it would become, um, you know, in the late 90s. And, and I just wonder about, you know, this idea of stepping away. So yeah, so I, I wonder about the idea of, of uh, unplugging for a little while. And I wonder, number one, how would that even be possible today? So, you know, I understand, you know, people, people have been rage quitting Facebook and, and stuff like that, very dramatic exits and going to the parlors of the world. Well, there is a way, we actually was talking to, um, uh, did we have Hadrian? Sparsa? We did have Hadrian, yeah. Okay, so Hadrian's gonna go He's a sailor, among other things, and that's a way to disconnect. And it's also a oh, way to be, yeah. and also a great way to to quarantine, to isolate. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be in the middle of the You're ocean. The fish. What are you going to be doing? I'm going to be moving under a sail across the ocean. Um, so he's going. I don't know he's going somewhere. I think down into the Caribbean or something like that for a couple of weeks. Um, uh, but that's that's a way. I mean, that is definitely a way. A and, way. I, and I yeah. know people. In fact. I can look out here right now. I can see a bunch of sailboats in the Pacific Ocean through that window over there. Um, those people are safe and they're probably not on the internet. Although yeah. people tend to, if you're doing that kind of thing, you tend to have uh, one of those space phones, you know, the Iridium ones. I don't know what they have now, but whatever succeeded Iridium, uh, where you can do satellite telephony anyway, not necessarily internet. Um, but it is weird. It is weird to be without it. It's sort of like being without a limb or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, it's it's a memory thing. It's like, what do you want to remember? You know, and you can't remember it because it's not on the internet. You know, and I mean, if it's that's what we use it for now. That's uh, McLuhan, one of my favorite sources, as you know, uh, died in 1980, but that was late enough so we could still see computing come along. And he said that 
computing was going to be mostly about memory. You call it, you know, exact. If you want to be exact, you're going to use the internet. You're going to use a computing. And I think that's pretty much true that our primary use of it is actually remembering stuff, you know, writing it down and remembering it in one way or another, even if you're remembering it for somebody else. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like to, today, well, well, I mean, I realize not everyone is all that isolated, which is a whole other conversation that we probably won't have. <laughs> but if you are, if you are taking extra precautions and, and um, avoiding humans, like many of us are, it seems that much more difficult to, to take a, probably a necessary break. You know, I think we all need, you know, the elections over and, and, and there's, you know, there's not a lot of really good news out there right now. So it's, it's, um, I think it, it's good for all of us to shut it all down and, and step away for a while and, you know, go camping in the woods or something, but you know, it's, it well, seems at the same let's, time, what's in our best interest is also so difficult. Let's define a break because, you know, with social media, it's easy to log off, at least yourself, from your own accounts and step away. But so long as you remain connected, you know, whether you need it for work or if you are perusing a news site. I mean, these news site articles are constantly referencing some, somebody's Twitter rant or somebody's, you know, something else comments someplace else it doesn't matter and it, it's always going to bring you back to social media it's, it's it seems like this endless cycle where no matter how much you try to break away as long as you are connected to the digital world you're always going to find your way back so what do we mean by break is it like you know you just said cut yourself off from all communications and go camping <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually an approach. Now, of course, it's a little harder to do in Chicago than it is in more tropical yeah. places. Exactly. Like, uh, Please Catherine don't freeze. And, and I are. Um, but uh, it, it, I, I think it's a doable thing. I mean, people do do it, but um, it's hard. I mean, we're digital beings now. That's part of what we are. You know, we 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 are extended by our things, and especially by our phones. Um, how do you live without them? I mean, I just realized, I, where's mine? Oh, it's in my pocket. There it is, you know, and, and that's a part of me. I, I depend on that. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and it's got a bunch of notifications on it. I ignore most of them, but a couple of them matter. You know, they have to do with the weather and so forth. I've got, I've got a watch here that um, has my, you know, my heartbeat on it. And if I had the newer one, it would tell me my blood oxygen and some other actually useful stuff, you know. Um, Let's be honest. You ignore the ones from me, right? The messages. That's right. I do. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much that I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't. I don't ignore any. <laughs> this one's some Petros. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's a doable thing. I, it's a bit of a fantasy of mine, actually, because uh, there's so many places that I've seen from aircraft that I want to go to, especially over the Western US and Canada and uh, Scandinavia and, it's, and, New, and Greenland. I mean, Greenland is really interesting. And I can guarantee the internet is not much in Greenland, right? You know, but I'd love to see, you know, this vast ice cap, biggest, you know, second biggest ice cap in the world, you know, calving off glaciers into the ocean. That's really interesting stuff. I, I, I would actually see. also, did I ever tell you the story of how my grandfather was stationed in Greenland during World War no, II? No. He was a cryptographer. So true family story. 
he was in line to, you know, he was enlisting in the army in World War II. He was, you know, I think very early 20s. Um, he was in line to, you know, go basic, you know, do combat, end up one of those on one of those landing crafts and, and you know, which would have led to me never being created. Uh, likely, you know, very likely he would have not made it out. And one, a friend of his, somebody who knew him from high school, you know, waved at him and grabbed him and said, hey, uh, you know, you, you can type real well, can't you? And he said, yeah, yeah, I type, I type pretty, pretty well. And he said, well, you know, they're looking for people who can type over in that line. <laughs> and so this guy grabs wow. him and, and he goes to the other line and they sent him to cryptography school. And he became one of the guys decoding the messages coming from Europe back to, you know, in the direction of the U.S. And that station was in Greenland. And so, you know, in that it was always sort of this great family mystery, what he was doing, because it was classified. He, he, he didn't wow. he, and he wow. was very respectful of, you know, those limitations. And it wasn't until he was in his late 80s when it became declassified that he told me how the machines work. And you know, wow. it was really, it was interesting, you know, because then he went down the whole thing about the dials and how they would set them up every morning and, and, you know, and, and listen to the, the incoming messages and, and he, you know, typed them out and uh, interesting stuff. Anyway. Was he using a QWERTY keyboard? I believe so. Well, probably uh, likely. Probably was the, uh, so he might've known um, the dad of my old business partner, Ray Simone, his, his father was also stationed in Greenland doing something nobody talked about, you know, but, but Ray is gone now. I wouldn't be able to check with him. He's gone. His brother's gone and both his parents are gone. So I used to have photos or there, there were photos of him stationed in Greenland and some photo album, but I don't know who in the family ended up with those. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my father's awful story from world war two is when he, he reenlisted to, fight he couldn't stand he'd already been in the army once he couldn't stand not going in again to participate in the war and he was in alaska and so he went to seattle and he was with a group that was about to and his mother insisted that she wanted to see him before he got killed and so could he go to the eastern for to the to the european front and and come through new jersey and visit her and so he checked to see if he could and they said yeah go ahead do it and not only did the group he was with go to Corregidor and all get killed in uh, out of Seattle, but when he after he went to New Jersey, he was sent to Normandy, and he was in the second wave at Normandy, the one that wow. didn't all get mostly wiped out. Um, yeah, that was you know that would, and he had some other interesting stories from World War II as well, but you know some of which he wouldn't talk about because they were just too too upsetting. Mm. Yeah, you I know, had a, rel- had a relative like that. Never talked yeah. about it ever under any no, you never do. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, war is hell indeed. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it has it makes great stories though that they, they are, you know. Yeah. Did you ever see Patton the movie Patton? I didn't. It's oh, it's great with George C. Scott. You know, uh, where among other things, Patton says, compared to war, all other forms of human endeavor shrink to insignificance. Mm. So it's worth it's worth seeing. Yeah, I tried to get my grandfather to watch Saving Private Ryan once. He w- he was not oh, interested. Yeah, I finally saw it like only weeks I w- ago. I finally uh, saw it. I would imagine in, in in some regards a lot of this could could trigger some uh, you know horrible memories. 
you know, post-traumatic yeah. post type of, you know, disorders that maybe they try oh, to. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my father was not fond of war movies. He didn't want to go to um, Fourth of July celebrations because the, uh, the the fireworks reminded him of explosives. You know, you know it, yeah. That, yeah, that is, yeah, I've heard it. That's, I think, pretty common um, among people who have PTSD. I, you know, it, it occurs to me that it sort of ties into the idea of internet detox. So I was thinking, well, okay, so my, <laughs> my grandfather was not interested remotely in any kind of war movie or World War II movie. And I always thought, well, what did, what did he see in Greenland that would ha you know, give him such a strong reaction to depictions of war? And, but then when you think about it, what, what his experience likely was, was a lot of bad news, nonstop, you know, a lot of really yeah. scary really, and unpleasant information coming in. And that's yeah. what he was, he was responsible for transmitting or, or decoding or, you know, whatever he was recording. Um, and it's kind of the same thing, right? It's, 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 it's World War II era doom scrolling. You know, there's literally, I, I would imagine nothing good, you know, all day long, nothing good every day. Just bad news all day yeah. long. This isn't an internet story, but it's it's related. There's a woman who used to work for me, really brilliant. Um, she uh, dropped out of college and enlisted in the Air Force. And then they found out she was really smart. And they sent her to language school in Monterey, where she learned to speak Russian and could, within six weeks, and could do simultaneous translation of Russian transmissions, which she monitored. She went to work for, I don't know, the... CIA or the NSA or some Air Force thing, but she listened live to the Russian transmissions that were being exchanged when Russian planes were shooting down a Korean airline, um, a Korean aircraft over over a corner of Russia. They kind of went into Russia airspace, Russian airspace, and the, the supposition was that they were spying and uh, had spyware on the plane, and everybody was killed. It was like hundreds of people, it was over, well over hundred people anyway. Uh, a horrible thing is she had to listen to this live. You know, I'm wondering if your grandfather had to do stuff like that too, you yeah. know, where you're, you're, you're witness to a catastrophe over which you have no control. Right. Fun though. stuff. Yeah, I know. Aren't we, aren't we a barrel full <laughs> of monkeys today? today? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, you I'm know, thinking know, about we, living without the internet. I'm sorry. There's no life without the internet now. Yeah, living without the internet. <laughs> it just isn't. I, you know, I, here's a, here's a, bit of a quibble with that I have with people who think that the internet is what's on it. Um, and to me, you know, saying, you know, the, the, the internet is Facebook or the internet is Facebook and Google and all these big companies and, and whatever bad stuff is happening on it right now is sort of like saying billboards are geology or the mall, the shopping mall gives you gravity, you know, that the, the internet's underneath all that stuff and the internet's fine. You know, it's just what we do on it. Um, I think we're, you know, we're, we're just at a, we're an early time in whatever the history of this thing is, but I might be full of shit on that too. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> it could be we're just all screwed, but I, I, I tend to be optimistic. I tend to think that, you know, if this is actually early, we'll work some stuff out. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, what else you, just... you got from space for us, Petros? <laughs> well, I hear, well, you know, something war stories, I literal something. war stories. Okay, go ahead. I'll just tell you this quickly. Um, now is the best time in, in a long time to have a telescope in the evenings because ah. um, I was just going to say this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jupiter and Saturn are next to each other. Mars is up. So 
and then in the mornings venus is up and mercury is coming up too but just those three and near Mar between mars and jupiter and saturn are also uranus and neptune all of your bigger outer planets are all lined up on one side of the sky right now and the moon is slowly moving through them but it's not there right now because it's coming up later and later so we're getting we're going to get most of a moon like later on tonight but at for a couple hours two three hours after sunset you could take a decent backyard telescope outside and see detail on all the on all the nearby on, on all the major planets and even pluto's up there so pretty much everything outside of the earth's orbit is on one side um you're, you're going to need a pretty good telescope for, you're going to need oh for pluto pluto's <laughs> for pluto. a 14th magnitude object yeah. so it's, you're probably not going to get that exactly um, but you're but but i think uranus and neptune are sixth and seventh magnitude which are you know, a very, very dark sky. Those are naked eye things, but they're not very obvious. Uh, but with a telescope, you can see them. Yeah, for yeah. months now, you've been able to see Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn uh, with the naked eye. So that's yeah. been kind of neat. And Venus as well. But uh, with a telescope, and, and my telescope is assembled off to the side of my office, uh, you've been able to even see with with a certain degree of clarity the rings of Saturn. Which yeah, and, and the rings are at a good angle right now. The rings are not, if you're not looking at them edge on, you're, you're getting, I mean, it's a really, it's a really good time of the of year and life to check out all your, you know, all the major planets. Exactly. And I wonder what technology has done with uh, the telescope because mine is at least, I think, mm, a little almost two decades old. So it's, it's, it's older, it's, it's pretty manual and uh, all the, you know, the, the bells and whistles are in the lenses themselves and the magnifiers for the lenses, right. but I have to manually align, which is kind of a pain in the struggle. So if you cannot see uh, through the, um, the, you know, the, um, the, I, I, you know, through the, the, the scope, if you cannot see the, with the naked eye the planet, then you don't know what you're pointing at. So it, it's a bit rough for me, but I wonder what technology has done uh, with the with the uh, the telescope because I vaguely recall that you're able to use uh, astronomical, you know, astronomy related uh, software to be able to pinpoint exact coordinates. And uh, I'd be interested to invest in something like that just for the sole purpose of seeing. But and and there, there are now. telescopes now where they're made so you can mount your camera, your your phone on them. Oh know? yeah, so, that's right. Which is really cool. You know, you basically basically the 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 lens and the main lens of your phone looks down. It looks where your eyeball would look. Now with the newer phones that have like you know three or four cameras on them, I'm not sure how easy that is to do. But um, you know, um, and and they're I don't know how good they are. They're not that. They're not that expensive. Um, there's one here that's 90 bucks on Amazon. Here's another, it's 120 bucks on Amazon. Um, yeah, I invested hundreds and hundreds of dollars on mine. Yeah, that, I, I have one, it's a Celestron um, from, uh, this is probably two decades old at least as well. And it's uh, unfortunately because we have it in a place that we rent out, it's just been beat to shit by people who don't know what they're doing. And, um, and I haven't been especially kind to it either. But, you know, I think for, it's a really good question though, Petros, you know, what, what's happened with the technology? I think the main thing is the phone adapters, you know, that you, you know, they come with phone adapters now so you can wedge your iPhone or your Android into there and, and peek down the telescope and take a, you know, a time-lapse shot of the moon or whatever. Um, 
I mean, it sounds like fun to me. I'm actually thinking of getting one of those for my grandkids and just send that to them for both of them for Christmas. Yeah. I tried so to get my, ch- I tried to get my children into it. I mean, they thought it was neat for about a, a millisecond and uh, they, were wow. re- they, they were ready to go back to their uh, iPads. Well, that's the thing, you know, and, and, and also with um, there's a, I think now I'm looking here on an iPhone, but there's a, uh, how many astronomy apps do I have on here? Yeah. I have, I I have, have one installed. Skyview, Skychart. Um, Skyview is pretty good. I think Skychart in some ways is a little bit better because it has smaller. Um, I mean, basically you hold it up to the sky, you know, and, and you see what's there and it tells you what's there. You know, you can click on it and you can see, you know, I mean, right now I'm looking through the earth, but you know, there's Canopus and, you know, I'll tell you all about Canopus that it's, you know, it's in, you know, minus, uh, you know, 6.2, uh, 0.62, uh, magnitude, you know, there, and there's a, one of the Magellanic clouds is the other Magellanic cloud, which of course we can't see from the Northern hemisphere. But then again, I'm looking down at my phone. So it's kind of looking through the earth at that, but it's, I mean, it's very cool. You know, I can look up at the sky here and, you know, see, uh, there's Mars which is already up, you know, but it's the daytime, so you can't see it. Uh, they're, they're, these are great, you know, and so and in a way, they, they kind of upstage the telescope itself. But I would think a science kid, a kid's a little bit interested in science, might get into it. It's tough because, you know, they're, they're, you know, you go into a bar and there's a television in the corner, everybody's looking at the TV. If Let's say they don't care about sports, they're still staring at the sports game on the TV because there's something about glowing rectangles that gets our attention. You know, and if you're carrying around a glowing rectangle, that might be more interesting than looking down a tube at a star. But I would hope, you know, maybe I'll probably just call their parents and say, what, what do you think? You think they'll be interested? Let's find out. You know, interesting I would question. Hope so. I yeah. would be interested. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean I, I mean, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I in my own case, this telescope is it's a, one of the long kind, you know, it's a refractor, it's not a reflector. And so, um, and it's on, it has wooden legs and it's kind of slightly falling apart. So taking it outside is really hard. I think having the kind of thing where you set up the, the mechanism that, you know, keeps track of the time and tracks across the sky uh, without, you know, you're turning a handle or something like that is good uh, rather than having, something you're constantly adjusting manually, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's, I mean, this is sort of a, a corollary to your point earlier, Catherine, is that it's very hard to upstage the internet. It's very hard to upstage the things you carry in your pocket. Mm-hmm. There's too much interesting stuff on it. That's true. So where are we on the detox? Are we going to do it? I don't no. know. I think we already talked about it. No. <laughs> I think we already no, no, no. decided I'm, I'm that saying, I can, Oh, I mean, are we going to actually Are we going to actually detox? Are we going to detox ourselves? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't I mean, think I, think I can you, do it. I don't, I don't, think, I don't I think I can do it either. I'm an addict. I mean, I, I no, it's behind. <laughs> right, well, I'm I mean, actually, I, I just have a job. It's the real answer. So, but so but after hours. With, so here's an interesting one. I mean, have you kept up with the monoliths and the deserts and other places like that? These Yes, yes. I mean, to a degree. So was the one in, so so I know some people who know some people who have been to the one in Utah and, and I've already heard that it's already gone, that Mm -hmm, somebody took it out. Is that true? It's gone? The one in Utah is gone. gone. Um, 
but nobody saw anybody take it. Right. So no. maybe the one in California that's there now is the one that was in Utah. Maybe. It's an interesting and question. Didn't one pop up somewhere in Eastern Europe or something? Yeah, I think in like Egypt area. No, Romania. no, no. Rome is it in Romania? Yeah, I'm I think sure. you're right. Romania. I'll have to Google hmm. that later, but I think you're right. Huh. That's a fun puzzle. I, I think. Yeah, it is. Has anybody looked at it and said, what's it made of? You know, I mean, did they dust it I, for prints? I, I mean, that would be so. interesting. <laughs> Maybe. You know, I, mean, I, I feel like it. I feel like it is a puzzle. I feel like it's intentionally a game. I think it's I feel, a puzzle you know, too. I think somebody made it just, a puzzle. You know, people and are bored right now. <laughs> but because of the internet, you'd think clues would leak from the, you know, from the internet somewhere. Like somebody the, the clues would... have been surprisingly lame. I mean, you know, there was the one that, you know, here a TV station with a helicopter found a thing in Utah and some guys went down and looked at it and said, yeah, it's a metal thing. Got back in the helicopter. They did a five minute report on the TV station and it was over. And of course, they didn't say where it was because they didn't want people to screw with it. But um, but that's what, what was it that somebody said our only job on Earth is to find the others. Um, that's maybe what this is about, finding the others, you know. And, and then understanding what they're about. I have to look up, find the others. Well, maybe that's what we'll do when we, uh, when we unplug. We can unplug yeah, and go in search of monoliths yeah. and find the others, or whatever that means. I mean, it, it struck me as a, um, there's the findtheotherproject.org. Huh. And there's a findtheothers.com which is an alternative to the first one. Oh, it takes his name from Timothy Leary. Okay. Oh, is That's that cool. who came up with that? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> I, that starts to make a little more sense. Drop some acid and then that's the yeah. <laughs> Find the others. <laughs> this, this last weekend, this isn't so much an internet thing, though we certainly did it over the internet. There's a, um, an annual uh, documentary festival in New York that was online. So we watched nine documentaries this last weekend. And one of them was about this woman who was Timothy Leary's girlfriend for a number of years and um, was really interesting. Joanna something, really interesting. She was this wealthy heiress, but just kind of a wild child who became a wild adult and, um, and died this last summer. Um, and she was, of course, exactly my age. <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, Leary would be like 95 now if he was alive. He died at about exactly my age, actually. Um, but, um, but it was a good, it was a good, it was a good one. That, that is not a very good review. Um, but, but there it was. Here's an awful fact. I don't remember the other ones right now. I can't say, hey, we saw this and this and this and this. I know we did, we did try to see Citizen Kane, and it turns out this is not an easy thing to do. You know, you would think that yeah, the supposed, the supposedly that. greatest movie ever made would be accessible, but uh, it wasn't. And I've seen it, and I don't think it is. But then again, I'm not a movie critic. But monoliths are find the others. Monoliths. Yeah, the only, the only Romania. documentary. Yeah, it was Romania. Yeah. Was it? Hmm. Yeah, you were right. I think you're right, Catherine. 
Crazy. Sometimes the, the memory works. Let's <laughs> see. Well, I guess that's my my uh, research between now and a week from Tuesday. I'm gonna have to go do a little more uh, monolith research for <laughs> for a little huh. follow up post. Utah monolith, huh? Oh, there is a picture of some people with the thing laying on its side. So, oh, let's see. Oh, somebody. We removed the Utah monolith because there are clear precedents for how we share and standardize our use of public lands. So the, oh, for gosh sakes. So assholes in Utah that removed it. I shouldn't say that, but, but yeah. I mean, the dismantling is tragic. And if you think we're proud, we're not. We're disappointed. Furthermore, we were too late. We wanted to make clear that we support it, but Lena would absolutely know the, the ethical failures of the artist for the 24-inch equilateral gouge in the sandstone from the erecting in the Utah, not even close to damage caused by the internet sensationalism and subsequent reaction from the world. The land wasn't physically prepared for the population shift, especially during a pandemic. People arrived by car, bus, van, helicopter, planes, trains, automobiles, mo motorcycles, and e-bikes. And there isn't even a parking lot. There aren't bathrooms. And yes, pooping in the desert is a misdemeanor. And there was a lot of that. There were no. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that? That was a see more on Instagram. Huh. Sylvan Slacks. They filmed themselves removing the monolith from the desert on November 27th. They'd say they did so for environmental reasons. Well, they were their own others. I still think it was cool. It would have been, why not? Just leave it there, you know? So what if people poop in the desert? <laughs> really? I think I. I mean, think do the deer fucking just... do the deer poop in the desert? Okay, do the do the jackalopes <laughs> or whatever else lives there not poop yeah. in the desert? Although humans are kind of gross, and we do have a, a way well, of ruining no ecosystems. No doubt, humans are gross. However, I think I feel like you've just summed up the podcast. I feel like we're at a stopping point now because <laughs> do deer not poop in the desert? Well, I don't know if there are deer even in the desert. They're probably too sens sensible. For Does it matter if people, so what? No, I believe it was so what if people poop in the desert? I think that's Maybe it. We... I mean, what more do you say after? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. This is, this is one of my parting words, Petros. More more Petros has had to podcast. mute himself because he can't handle it. We've lost, we've gone <laughs> completely off the rails now. Just just make sure you have well, toilet paper. There are no rails. Well, see, that's the problem, though. That's why they have. That's the problem with humans. We bring toilet paper and we ruin the environment. No, you got to be able to find wet the toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah, yeah, then you've yeah. got wads I mean, of wet toilet paper stuck to all the rocks in the desert. And it's just like, oh, yeah. gross. This is a thing. Uh, too bad. Well, so so anyway, at least they knew who removed Don't it. Don't poop in the desert, people. It would people. have been cooler if the damn thing just disappeared. I think it would have been great if those guys didn't say where it went. Exactly. Had it. It's just, it's just it's gone. What happened? I don't know. It's gone. And that, that'd be much more fun. Aliens. You know, instead, it's like, no, we're, we're uh, you know, we're moving this for environmental. This is why we, we can't have nice things. Yeah, we can't have it's nice the poop things. in the desert. <laughs> I think poop in the desert is a lot easier to avoid than the ones in, on the sidewalk. That's so, true. Yeah. There's oh, a, you can't take me anywhere. <laughs> there's an aphorism for you. <laughs> poop in the desert a lot easier to sidestep than the kind on the sidewalk okay thanks folks well, I think I'll, <laughs> for I'll, all anyone I'll who's made it this I'm far I'm going to finish putting up uh, Christmas lights next. Okay. my next thing